Behind every single thing you wear, eat, and use, there are countless untold stories. From Fair Old Project, I'm Dana Geffner, and this is For a Better World, where you'll hear stories from farmers, workers, and activists that expose the hidden costs behind everything around us. In this series, we'll trace ingredients back to the source to unpack the process and meet some of the people involved. And we'll dive into the individual actions that can help shape a better world for everyone. Find out more and subscribe at fairworldproject.org slash podcast. Welcome to Between Two Mics, the podcast that brings you remote recording resources from Squadcast.fm. I'm Rock Felder, co-founder and CFO of Squadcast. And I'm Zach Moreno, co-founder and CEO. On Between Two Mics, we bring you interviews with podcasters, experts in the field of remote recording. We discuss current events in podcasting and so much more. Twice a month, you'll hear a Founders episode. That's just the two of us chatting about all things remote recording. Updates to Squadcast, what we're up to, and what we're listening to. The other two weeks of the month, we'll bring you interview episodes. Zach and I will sit down with experts in the podcast space to discuss their companies, their podcasts, their thoughts on podcasting, creating content, and more. The most exciting part? We're recording all of this on Squadcast, the best place to record remote audio and video interviews in studio quality. So let's get between two mics. Hey there, Rock here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Between Two Mics. This is a series we're calling Squad Stories. So while Zach is away, we thought it'd be fun to bring you interviews with the rest of the Squadcast team. But as always, we want to hear your squad story. So please head over to squadcast.fm slash share to submit a squad shot, an audio clip, or really anything. We just want to amplify you on all of our socials. In this episode, we talk with Gene Perez. Gene is the lead software engineer here at Squadcast. Gene and I chat about expressing creativity and art through software, his love for philosophy, and overcoming imposter syndrome. Thanks as always for listening. We hope you enjoy. Gene Perez, what's up? Hey, Rock. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you are a senior software engineer here at Squadcast. You've been here almost for a year now. Can you can you believe that? It's gone by so so yeah. quickly. It's been amazing. It's funny. Um, it feels like a year and, and it doesn't at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a time machine, but it's gone fast and slow simultaneously. In a good way. Um, yeah, it's hard to imagine though a Squadcast without you, man. So uh, it's been it's been quite the year. So and you've been a critical part of that. So before we we jump into like all the the amazing work you're doing here at Squadcast, wanted to get to know you a little bit better. So besides being a software engineer, who's Gene? So besides being a software engineer, I'm a full time uh, dog dad and <laughs> now cats. So recently just got a cat. Um, aside from that, I enjoy um, reading books, especially in the region of philosophy, computers, and also finance. And aside from that, um, I normally like going to the gym. Um, I enjoy binging a ton of TV shows and YouTube in my free time whenever I'm not coding. And yeah, and every now and again, you know, I'll have spontaneous hobbies like trying to learn how to play the piano or longboarding. I know you have uh, endless amounts of hobbies and knowledge. And one of the things that I really admire about you is like, you got to be the most like 
structured and organized person I ever met. Like I thought I was an organized person until I met you. And I mean, this as a compliment, but you make me feel very unorganized and it's amazing. Have you always been like that? Or when, where, where, where did this come from? To be honest, like on paper, I'm very organized. So I just wanted to spell the notion that, that (laughs) I'm, I'm over-organized. I'd say when it comes to work and like, you know, studies, I'm very organized. But then when it comes to like chores and stuff like that, you know, I'm your regular person who like leave a dishes in the sink for a day or two. But you know, it's all about balance. Shame uh, on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance, right? But essentially, I think it, it mainly culminated in undergrad school, uh, just because like, and, 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 and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, like I, I just didn't care too much about high school. Um, when I was there, um, it was just like, okay, let's on, let's go on to the next thing. And you know, the, the, the first two semesters of undergrad were very difficult for me because I had balanced two jobs. Uh, I was working at GameStop and then also working on the side job hobby, building computers and stuff like that, um, and just trying to help out my parents. So it was like you had school, two jobs, and then like trying to have a social life in that environment. Um, and it kind of crushed me. Um, I wasn't prepared for it, right? You, you know, your kid coming out of high school, the your main priority is just getting to class in high school. But then after that, it's like, okay, you got to get a job, um, got to go to school um, and all that. Like um, rather than in those days, I just felt like oh, I needed a better system. So it's like, it started off small, right? With just writing down what I had to do for the day at the beginning of the day and then kind of culminating to like organizing myself and then trying to plan things out. And I think the COVID um, 2020 was definitely the time where like that just flourished into like this. Okay. I have enough time on my hands now. I don't have to drive to work. Um, let's see if I can really just build a better system. So like from 2019, end of 2019, start of 2020 COVID hit. And then all the way up to now, it's just been like a, a more robust system. And like, there's great tools out there for people trying to learn. Um, I think my, my favorite one, the one I like to preach is notion. Um, and to me, notion, I just mm-hmm. keep it as like a, a second brain. Um, cause like, you can't really retain too much information all at once. You could read every book on this shelf, but you'll probably remember maybe 5% of it. So that's where Notion comes in, helping you just write down notes that you can go back to as well as uh, prioritizing your task, what you're doing next. Um, and, you know, everyone's a little different on how, how they organize their stuff. But yeah, definitely a, Notion was the, the catalyst for, for this stage of organization. Yeah, I can certainly relate to uh, the content I consume, whether it be books, podcasts, audiobooks, or whatever, just like it is impossible to retain it. So having some type of system to, you know, help organize your your t- thoughts and takeaways and, you know, help spawn ideas and whatnot, that's that's incredible. And I have seen your personal notion. It is a sight to be seen and something that uh, I would aspire to get to at some point as well. But uh, it's kind of cool to hear that, like, you just kind of became this. And I can honestly relate to that, too, because I was you know, not the biggest fan of, of high school. Um, and even college, I was kind of like doing it cause I didn't know what else to do. And I had a lot of growing up to do and, you know, just kind of found my way. But I want to say like, you know, 26, 27, I really started to get more serious and started to behave in a, a much different way. And, uh, that's pretty cool to hear your journey. What was it about software engineering and, and computer science that was appealing to you and made you want to choose that as a career? Yeah. And go back to, to undergrad, like that second job I had to work was, you know, building PCs and like fixing up old MacBooks. Um, and it was around that time that like, I really started to build a passion for computers. Um, at the time, um, I went to community college for one semester. And at the time my major was just philosophy because I just enjoyed philosophy more than I did computers. But, you know, after working in the field for a bit and like just learning the language, and just 
troubleshooting. Like, I don't know. It was like a, a weird experience just try, being able to fix something that's broken. Um, and it, it literally, I was like, oh, I can make a career out of this. So initially I, I, I wanted to do something in IT, but then like, I was like, okay, well, I just want to focus on computers. I don't really care too much about infrastructure and stuff like that. So computer engineering was basically the sweet spot that I landed in where I can like touch hardware and mess with software. And like, I can have talks about electrical engineers and then I can have talks to computer science students. So it was like, a, a, it was a nice middle point, a balance. And from then on, it's just like, you know, did my um, four years, got my bachelor's in, in computer engineering, started working at the Department of Defense directly afterwards. Um, and I initially thought what I was going to be doing was like wearing lab coats and building silicon wafers. That was far from truth, apparently, to be there. You know, that's PhD status. That's 10 years in the field type deal. They just don't let anybody mm -hmm. into that type of field. Um, so I was like, okay, software it is for now. Um, and, you know, since then, it kind of like I kind of started getting more and more in love with software to the point now where like, I don't see myself building the silicon wafers as I did back in undergrad. I now see myself just building projects and, and being like a more IT lead role or tech lead role. Yeah, no, you got a lot of natural born leadership skills, which is, uh, I again, admire and taking cues from it's helping me be a bit better leader. And, and, uh, I really appreciate that. But one of the things that I really enjoy about working with software engineers is you all are like, just, it's incredible because you have this balance and not everyone's like a 50, 50 balance, but there is this balance of like science and creativity. You know, there's this artist and, and scientist that, and it, it just is amazing because then you have that problem solver brain and attitude. And it, it just feels like you, you all can almost accomplish anything. Like you really are rock stars, uh, especially, uh, in, in this day and age. Right. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you, you, you compare it to art cause that's kind of how I see it too. Um, and I, I, maybe that's a little nuance or cliche, but re really like, if you think about it, anytime you go to program something and if you've never programmed anything out there, I'm just writing up your first hello world program. is just like being an artist and drawing his first line. Um, it's, it's essentially just this experience of creativity, like bringing something from your head into display. And that's essentially kind of what, what art is, right? It's, it's about, bringing whatever flows through you and displaying it out for others to see. And I see programming as a, just another medium in art. Absolutely. And, and how would you describe the work you're doing here at Squadcast as our senior software engineer? I think it's honestly amazing, very encouraging, and kind of like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm not saying that just because you're my employer, but being a software engineer <laughs> and being in the industry, um, most of the time, or at least in the beginning, um, you know, you're stuck to a team and you're stuck doing, you know, hey, go do this or go do that. Um, and it really stunts the creativity that we were talking about, because at that point, you're you're working in a coloring book rather than a blank canvas. In a coloring book, you color within the lines. So those lines are the taskings that your your tech leads are sending you and stuff like that. But, you know, it's all that's part of the process, right? Because you got to learn how to color first before you, you can go and, and start doing you know, more advanced techniques. So in the beginning, you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, this is just my experience. I'm sure there's programmers out there who, who are all for it, but living in a cube and just, you know, clocking in a nine to five to me, you know, it sucks your soul a bit and your passion. So I didn't want that to end up being what these skills and these years that I put into education for, um, to end up being just this soulless job. So that's kind of why, like at the end of 2019, once I got my master's, um, I just started looking outward to different um, like uh, positions and different places where like my 
creativity could be encouraged rather than stunted. Um, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. the, what you guys have given me an opportunity to not only build out a team, but build out an infrastructure and then build out a product um, and just see this product go from a startup to a scale up and then hopefully someday to a Fortune 500 company. No doubt. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is even though you are our uh, senior engineer here, um, my understanding is this is your like first time in a leadership position. So how's that been from your perspective, growing a team and kind of, uh, you know, taking on a lot more responsibility than, um, your previous, uh, occupations had you do. It feels a lot like when you graduate, right? Graduation is like the step up. You're done with the preliminary stuff and now you're working towards the next big thing. Um, and that's kind of how I see it. So leadership is in the next role for all software engineers, right? You start off as just being the intern, you work your way to being a regular and then you work your way to being a senior and then hopefully a staff. And then after that, you know, either head of engineering, a tech lead, um, maybe even a CTO. So that's kind of how I see it, right? It's like kind of like a degree, right? So I started off in working, getting the blunt work out of the way, you know, building tests, just uh, fixing tiny bugs and stuff like that. And then learning the systems, learning languages, methodologies, algorithms, and then just really putting it to the test and coming it all together. And then doing education on your own. So that's the kind of like the big advice that I have for a lot of people in my position is just because you graduated doesn't mean that's it. You're not going to learn anymore. Um, and if anything, mm-hmm. I think you should do the opposite. The second you graduate, that's the time to be putting in the effort because now you'd be taking classes and learning on your own pace, right? What, what accommodates to your personality, but I encourage growth. And I think that, you know, everyone should continue learning not only engineering, but whatever your major is, whatever your subject is and whatever you love, right? Whatever passion you have, keep learning about it. Like there's no one out there to tell you, you need a degree to be an artist. You need a degree to be this. Um, it's just knowledge and it's just barriers that we put on ourselves. So I think the biggest thing is just making the time that on your own time that you enjoy, right? Don't force yourself to learn about economics, an economics book on your own time if you don't care about economics. But if you care about economics, pick up something like the intelligent investor, something that usually they're not taught in school or um, learn about um, engineering economy and how like engineers view different cash flows, opportunity and things like that. So it's just a combination of what do you like? And if you like that, then go out and learn about it. Let's take a short breather. We'll be right back. Hello, Squadcaster. Arielle, your community manager here with a quick message. At the beginning of this episode, you heard a pre-roll ad from a Squadcast customer. They told you a bit about their podcast and then gave us a nice introduction into this week's episode of Between Two Mics. If you record your podcast on Squadcast, you can submit one of these pre-roll ads too. We want to show off your podcast. For details on submitting an ad for your show, head to squadcast.fm slash share. That's our new content submission page. In addition to voice clips, you can submit squad shots, feature videos, and more. Again, head to squadcast.fm slash share. Super easy URL to remember. It's squadcast.fm slash what? Share. Squadcast.fm slash share to submit your voice clip so that we can feature you on this podcast. Okay, let's get back to the show. Couldn't agree with you more. That's a big topic that Zach and I talk about on this show is like, uh, we've heard it called just in time learning. And it's been a big thing, uh, big activity for us at Squadcast is just like constantly 
consuming knowledge and then not just like reading it and being like, okay, I understand, but like applying it and finding ways to put it into action, like almost immediately. So given that you've been preparing and consumed so much knowledge to help you be a leader, help you grow as an engineer, grow, grow a team. What is some of the things that you've learned from putting some of this knowledge into action? Like what are the, what are some of the takeaways that you would share with other folks? I think the biggest one is don't feel bad that you don't understand a subject completely after you're done studying it. If you take away 10%, you're just 10% better now than you were originally. So it's still an improvement. That's still progress. Um, if you read a book and you feel that like, oh, like I understood the first half, the second half I'm lost and I'm just finishing it to finish it. That's still good. You're still exposing yourself to material. Maybe the, it, it's funny and this is going to be really nerdy, but it's funny. This is how neural networks work. In our brains, um, mm. neurons are just points of either memory or or models that then once you learn and pick up things, those models can connect and create cohesiveness. That's kind of how um, neural networks in computer engineering work and in computer science. You train these models so they, they learn, right? So like you introduce a subject and sooner or later the data model studies about the subject. It's the same thing for us. Um, that's AI, AI is modeled against us, right? It's not like this magic out there that we're just inventing. No, it's the goal of AI is to mimic the human brain. So if we can teach a system, it's funny, that was kind of my epiphany for it is I was, I, as I was learning AI, I realized that I'm just feeding this data and then this program is just picking the points of the data that makes sense through trial and error. And I'm like, that's exactly how humans learn through trial and error. You, you pick up things Mm -hmm. and you put them to the test. And, And that's kind of how, like, I see it, people in my position and what they don't really understand is, is getting that, that like ability to just continue learning, continue trying to challenge yourself. Where does this like passion and and drive and constant need for, for like growth come from? Is that, uh, again, is this just gene being gene or is there something else driving it? I think for me, um, and we touched on it earlier was um, originally before I even was interested in computers, it was mainly philosophy and world religion. By nature, I'm agnostic, but I'm also very spiritual. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a profound respect for ideologies and religions. Um, you know, some people may have a different opinion of them. Um, but for me, I think philosophy kind of opened this mindset of growth because to me, philosophy wasn't about finding who's right and who's wrong. It was more about what's your point of view? What's your point of view? And trying to like mesh these points of view together into something that's cohesive, that makes sense to me. And in the end, what I took from that is that, you know, Everyone has their own justifiable ideology. And I think that's what makes humans so inherently unique, that you can grow up the same, you can read the same books, but you'll still be different people at the end of the process. Sometimes part of my anxiety that I get is the fact that there's so much to learn out there in so little time. I kind of get buried under this false weight of knowledge that like, it's kind of like the Dunning-Kruger effect where like in the initially in the beginning, you learn a little bit about a subject and suddenly you think that you know it all. There's a common theme going on around the Dunning-Kruger effect right now in our um, environment where some people believe they know more than the experts who spend half their life studying a subject. And it's funny mm. because all of us go through this. All of us, the second we pick up a new hobby or something, we suddenly think we're at the top of the this plateau of knowledge for the subject. And then all of a sudden, as we keep learning more about the subject, we realize how little we actually know. That's healthy, right? A lot of people feel that that's imposter syndrome and something, you know, I struggle with every now and again. And it's just a part of growing. It's just that sometimes you feel that like 
you're understanding, you're learning, you're putting this, this, these abilities to work, but you feel that you're still not at the level of the staff guy or the, the guy above you. Um, and you feel that like, you know, I shouldn't be here. And one thing that I'll say that I, is if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, it means you're in the right place. It means you're growing at, at the speed you're growing. You just mm. don't realize it yet. I couldn't agree more, you know, going back to what I was talking about in my early twenties, like I was constantly dealing with imposter syndrome, but I, I didn't know it. I had never heard that word before. I had never talked about it. So I'd never knew that like, actually, this is a pretty common thing. And that like a lot of the people around me had the same feeling. And, and I was like flabbergasted, just so surprised that they, who I thought was a, you know, total, you know, just had it all together was dealing with something else. And I remember when they said, oh, that's imposter syndrome rock. It was just like, Oh my gosh, that is the word. And so now I've just kind of learned to deal with it. And I think you're right, Gene. Like, it's kind of like if you're having that feeling, you know, getting comfortable to be uncomfortable, you're probably in the right place to some degree. But boy, is it tough to deal with like all the time. I mean, I'm constantly going through it at Squadcast. Jiu-Jitsu does it too. Like I'm having to go to a new gym right now. And like, even though I've been doing this for five years, I'm still like got these kind of I don't want to say butterflies, but it's just like, a, it's a new thing. Um, it's new people, new, new, uh, system. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't get easy, but it's like, I've been here before. Like, it's okay. You're going to get through this. It's going to get comfortable. And then you're going to find something else that's going to make you uncomfortable. And and it's funny. That, so I think that's great advice. Yeah. And you know, if you want to take it a step further, the moments that you do feel imposter syndrome, I think those are the moments you need to pause and just write down what's making you feel like an imposter and then go and like, Teach yourself wrong. Prove yourself wrong. Tell yourself that you do know your stuff. It's like if you're feeling imposter syndrome about how to build a chair, like you bought this chair and you're not sure how to build it and stuff like that. Well, then that's good. It means you're, you're, it's kind of this nervousness of like the subject at hand. Um, and you can use that nervousness as fuel to teach yourself. It makes sense. You're so funny. I love how you turn it back to find a way to turn it back to tech, but that's what uh, makes you a great software engineer, right? <laughs> All right. So Gene, been here for about a year on Squadcast, but in some ways, I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like we're still just getting started. Like, what are you, what are you most excited about in the looking forward to for I'm Squadcast? I'm excited about too many things. And I think it's the issue. And I think that's kind of like what, what, one of the challenges I have right <laughs> now is like bottling the excitement and dividing the, the effort and like aiming down my sight. Cause right now it feels like a shotgun in a hallway. I'm just like hmm. trying to get everything at once. But I would say Definitely looking forward to our redesign come uh, 5.0. I think it would be, it is one of the biggest overhauls to the platform. This year alone, we released video. We partner with Adobe to provide even a better, even more better conferences experience. And we've had a ton of minor fixes in between that, that I can't go into details because we'd spent over 30 minutes talking about each one. Talking about <laughs> V5, I think V5 would take us an hour to go into detail and to talk about, but we're super excited about it. I think... V5 is a combination of a almost two years worth of customer feedback into one subtle, perfect design mm. with, you know, the aid is still, or the intentions are still there to aid podcasters, uh, making sure that they're able to manage, um, you know, their sessions, their recordings, but also, you know, we're expanding that a bit. Like not every podcaster is an independent podcaster. Some people have teams. Some people have editors. I would say actually most people have some sort of team, even, even if it's two people are still a team. I yep. think with our latest release, it's going to definitely help out these teams out there. And for people who also, you know, are dealing with multiple shows at a time, there's a lot of creative users out there who don't only run just one podcast show. 
So we want to make sure that, you know, it's easier for you to manage your multiple shows um, just as well as you've been able to manage your multiple recordings. Just for, for the audience out there, one thing that we will be doing to make things a little bit more transparent is um, um, hosting a technical blog to go more in details about the changes that, that we released and um, maybe little teasers of what's coming soon. Love it. Love it. So on a personal level, like uh, what are you excited the most for? for I honestly am excited to continue growing in these leadership skills. Building out Squadcast has been, you know, kind of like a Magnus Opum, really. Um, it, it's been this culmination of the different skills that I've built, Wow. Um, you know, or, or built on my own. And now I'm working with this team who shares the same vision. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, it hasn't fit. It doesn't feel like a year because it's been a time capsule, and that's usually how it feels here. It literally feels like mm-hmm. you know it's morning, and all of a sudden it's afternoon. It's it's two p.m. You, you you're still coding away. You're still building out this project, and it's also the vision's clear. It's defined. It's not like you know in larger companies where you have over five thousand employees, where usually you know the vision gets muddled. Um, only the higher ups know what they want versus, you know, the, the developers all the way on the lower end of the hierarchy are kind of just following requirements and building things out based on what the text says. Um, so, you know, being here, it makes me excited that I'm able to see the entire spectrum of the company, um, being able to see the product, speak with customers, letting them getting to know them and how they use the product and how they wish some things were. You know, this exposure isn't something I'm used to. So it's been a fantastic new skill that I've been growing. It's new for me too. But yes, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because, uh, you know, when we were bringing you on, we knew there was something special about you, but it's been an even more incredible experience than we expected. And I'm so grateful to have you on the team. And I really appreciate you spending the time jumping on the show today and sharing us, uh, sharing with the audience a little bit more about you and uh, the great work you're doing here at Squadcast. Thank and thank you. you again for having me. It's been fun. And I can't wait to continue going, continue going back to work and stuff like that. And then the biggest one is um, I'm excited for the end of the year and the start of the new year. Oh, yes. And I love it. Thanks, Gene. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between Two Mics. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you learned something or we intrigued you a bit, let us know on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for Squadcast FM. And if you want to show the podcast some love, you can leave us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening right now. This show is put together by us, Zach and Rock. It's mixed and produced by Vince Moreno with help from Ariel Nissenblatt. Our logo is designed by Alex Wedby. Since we're a podcast about podcasts, we want to shout out the brands and products that we trust. We're recording using Squadcast.fm. And here's our current stack. For recording, we're using ATR 2100 mics, Apple AirPods Max headphones, and Focusrite Scarlett 2i2 audio interfaces. We edit the show on Adobe Audition, and our hosting site is Simplecast. That's it for us this week. We're back next week with more from Between These Mics.